So for those of you who don't know me, I know some of you, but some have not met me before. Again, my name is Mitchell Ross, and I'm going to give you a few quick facts about myself to get to know me, and maybe it'll help you listen to me a little bit better today. First of all, I'm 28 years old, and I live in Greensburg, and I have this beautiful family you see up on the screen. My wife, Lauren, and I have been married for five years this September. We have two children, Sophia, who is three and a half years old, and Jude, who's almost one and a half. I grew up in Derry Township. I went to a small Christian school for all my schooling and then graduated from Waynesburg University, class of 2016, uh, with a degree in communication. And this August will mark four years that I've been on staff at Charter Oak Church as a communications manager. And I always tell people, if you think it falls under communication, I probably do it. Uh, Outside of spending time with my family, which is my favorite thing to do, some of my interests include watching Pittsburgh sports, playing golf or tennis, uh, or binging any new content from Marvel. So that's a little bit about me. If if anything interests you, feel free to stop me after the service, and we'll chat about it. So last week, Charter Oak Church entered a brand new series that's going to last us the entire summer. We'll be diving into one book of the Bible and examining it verse by verse to see what God has to say. And that book, as you see on the screen, is 1 John. And our lead pastor at Charter Oak Church is known for his catchphrase, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Well, he's changing it up this summer, and he's saying, bring your Bible, bring your Bible, bring your Bible. Why? Because we want to saturate our lives with the Word of God. And we want to be equipped not only to live out the mission of Charter Oak Church, but to center our lives, our marriages, and our families in God's Word. And as Pastor Ben mentioned last week to you guys, The challenge is not only to read 1 John this summer, but even to study and memorize that first chapter. So I would encourage you guys to do that as well. A quick review from last week is that this book of the Bible, 1 John, was written by John, the disciple of Jesus. He is writing to a group of churches to address disputes that are going on in the life of the churches around him, both theological disputes and behavioral disputes. Last week, we examined those first four verses And we saw key highlights such as the incarnation of Jesus, fellowship, and joy. In short, in those first four verses, we learn Jesus came in the flesh, which is that Greek word koinonia that Ben talked about. And so we have fellowship, sorry, the fellowship was the Greek word koinonia. And that gives us fellowship with God that he came to us. And we put our faith in Jesus. And as our fellowship is then rooted in God's word and we see people coming to faith in Jesus, our joy is made complete. But for our joy to really be made complete, we have to know who Jesus really is. And that's where we're going to pick up our reading today in 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, grab them and follow along with me as we read 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So obviously there's a lot to unpack there, but as I heard a preacher say many years ago, if you agree to listen fast, I'll talk fast, and we'll be done fast. So uh, seriously, but just give me 15 minutes or so, and I promise you that not me, but God's word can encourage you today through these six verses. So in the verses that I read, we see four main things. We see good news, we see bad news, we see greatest news, and we see a warning at the end of the chapter. So those are the four areas we're going to cover today. The good news, the bad news, the greatest news, and a warning. So we'll start with verse 5. The good news. Verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. So at the end of verse 4, John told us why he was writing, to make our joy complete. And then in verse 5, the very first thing he tells us is God is light. So if you're writing in your Bible this series, underline that phrase there that's highlighted on the screen. God is light. You can even write next to it the word holy. And when I say uh, that God is light, what I'm talking about is God is the source and measure of all that is true. And what God is holy means is that he's set apart, separated from all others. We see this even back in Genesis, in the creation account, in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1. It says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So in those verses, Genesis 1, 3, and 4, you can even underline the words light and darkness again. Because throughout the entire Bible, from beginning to end, we see this contrast. The light and the darkness. Good and evil. We saw it in Genesis, and we saw it today, where we're reading at 1 John, which after 1 John, there's only four more books of the Bible. So from beginning to end, God uses this, uh, this uh, illustration of the contrast of two sides. But what was I saying about God is holy? Why is that the good news? Well, because God is holy, it means he's unlike anyone or anything else. And because he's unlike anyone, he can do things that no one else can do. He is perfect. He is faithful. He is just. If you've ever experienced a broken relationship or a divorce or, or you've been abandoned, you know that the world is full of injustice. But God is the antithesis, the opposite of the world. God is holy. God is perfect. And the word light in this verse is literally a Greek word that, that it says phos, which literally means to shine or make manifest. It's where we get the word photon for a particle of light. Here's a simple truth to illustrate what I'm saying. How many of you would say when you were a kid you were scared of the dark? Just me? Okay, a couple people. How many of you would say you're still scared of the dark? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but when I was a little kid, I was definitely scared of the dark. And I, no matter what, I had to have some sort of nightlight on in my room or maybe the hall light on with the door cracked a little bit so that light could get in somehow. Uh, that's just, I couldn't go to sleep without some sort of light shining in. Well, fast forward over 20 years later, I sit here and think, was I really scared of the dark? Probably not. I was scared of the unknown. I couldn't see what was out there. And because of that, I was scared. 
But the moment one of my parents would come into the room, flick on that light switch, my fear was completely gone. The light was on, my fears vanished. Here's another way to, to describe it. For any Star Wars fans out there, of course, you might like this. Uh, there's an example from the new series called Obi-Wan Kenobi. In episode three, young, uh, Obi-Wan uh, Obi is talking to a young version of Leia, and they're talking about using the Force. And little Leia says to Obi-Wan, what does it feel like to use the Force? And Obi-Wan says, what do you feel when you turn on the light? And little 10-year-old Leia says, I feel safe. Obi-Wan responds, that's what it feels like. God can be the same for us. When we look at the darkness of this world, a lot of times we get scared. The world can be a dark and scary place, but God says there's another way to live. We can live in his light. We can feel safe. So that phrase, God is light, that's the foundational message of this entire book of 1 John. Because light is the promise of hope and joy, while darkness is a threat of despair and misery. So the good news, God is holy. Now what's the bad news, you might ask? Well, let's look at verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. The bad news is that we are sinners. In verse 6, if you're underlining, underline those words, darkness and lie. You can write next to that verse the word sin. Darkness and lie. That's just sin. And when I say sin, what I'm talking about is our refusal to hear and obey God's word. In fact, over the course of the next seven verses in the book of 1 John, John mentions the word sin nine times. Now, one time would be interesting. Two, we should probably take note. But nine times, we have to pay attention. And you see, the problem is not just that we, okay, we sin occasionally. But the problem is, no, sin is at the very core of our being. It's part of who we are. Disobeying God, not doing what he says, that's our natural inclination. And you might hear this and say, yes, Mitchell, of course, I know we sin. But stop for a moment. Feel the weight of that. Do you understand that it's the sin that separates us from God? Because as I just said a moment ago, God is holy. God is faithful. God is just. But we are the exact opposite. We're sinners, imperfect, prone to choose wrong, unfaithful to God. And as a result, we deserve his judgment. That's why this is the bad news. We've turned from the marvelous light that is God to our own darkness, from good to evil. We've sinned before a holy God, and we deserve this eternal death. You might hear many people in the world ask today, how can a good, loving God send, uh, let people go to hell? Well, what John is saying in this verse is the exact opposite. John's asking, how can a perfect God let sinners into heaven? Well, that's where we get to the greatest news yet. Let's read verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 
So in verse 7, if you're underlining in your Bible, underline the word light again. It appears twice there. And then circle the words blood and circle the word purifies. So what is this greatest news that I'm talking about? It's that Jesus died for God. You might think I misspoke there. Didn't Jesus die for us? Yes, absolutely he did. But let's shift our perspective for a moment. This isn't all about us. We're not the center of the universe. God is. So Jesus absolutely died for you and for me. But his death wasn't just about us. The Gospel of John says in chapter 12, verse 27 and 28. This is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So what drove Jesus to the cross? We see it here. The glory of his Father. It was in the crowning moment of human history that Jesus died to satisfy the wrath of God that was due to us as sinners, and at the same time showing the love of God to us as sinners. Did you catch that? Here's how Romans 5, 8 puts it. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. In some churches, this is where they're going to start jumping around and singing hallelujah because that is good. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. In fact, that is great. That's the greatest news of all. That's what this is all about. That's why we're here today. Let me put it this way. Darkness cannot exist where light is. So a perfect God who is light cannot let us, dark, sinful people, into heaven. But Jesus, the Son of God, made a way for us. Amen? Amen. All right. So then in the last three verses, we see a warning. Let's read verses 8 through 10 again. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So again, if you're circling, you could circle the word claim and circle the word confess. Claim is in verse 8. Not, in verse 9, we see the word confess. See, if we claim to be without sin, that is self-deception. Nobody is without sin. But we see in verse 9 that if we confess our sin, which means we're proclaiming Jesus, who died for us while we were sinners, as our Lord and our Savior. It's in that moment of truth in that moment of confession, that Jesus takes up our res the residence in our heart, the light of God, God is light, comes into our heart, and we are given eternal light. It is important to note that once we become a follower of Jesus, that doesn't mean that all sin in our heart is immediately driven out. This battle between good and evil lasts our entire life. God's light enters our heart, and then it reveals sin, we become more aware of when we're doing wrong. So the mark of a disciple isn't necessarily sinlessness. A mark of a disciple is sin consciousness. We're aware of when we're doing wrong. We strive to change that. 
Listen to what we say. Listen to what's on the line if we speak about our sin a certain way at the end of that chapter. It says, if we claim we don't sin, we're making God out to be a liar. And then we're claiming that Jesus isn't in us. His word is not in us. So that claim of sinlessness that we're talking about isn't just self-deception. It's also blasphemy. Because if we claim to be without sin, we are claiming that the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross was unnecessary. God was wrong in sending Jesus in the first place if we're saying we are without sin. So that's the warning. Be careful how you talk about sin. So that's a quick summary of 1 John 5 through 10. That's verse by verse what it means to us. But if anybody knows me, you know I'm all about practical application. What does that mean for us today? My small group always said, okay, Mitch, what's our take home? So here's what we have to take home today. Let's go back to verses 6 and 7 one more time. They say, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So if you're underlining, underline the words fellowship in verse 6 and in verse 7. That's that word koinonia, the one I was talking about that Ben mentioned last week. It's about the fellowship that we can have as believers and with God. And we see there in verse 6 what destroys that fellowship. And we see in verse 7 what preserves that fellowship. It's about how we live our everyday, ordinary life. The fellowship between us as Christians, between husband and wife, between friends, between us and God is dependent on how we live our daily life. So what does that mean practically? What does that mean that we're supposed to do? Well, if God is light, we are to walk in the light, as it says in verse 7. But what does that mean, Mitchell? What does it mean to walk in the light? Well, just a few minutes ago, I said God is light. He's perfect. He's holy. He's, he's just. But to fully understand what it means, we have to jump back to the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 1. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we're going to use that old transitive property you might have heard about in high school math. I think my math teacher was right. I did need to remember this. If A equals B, B equals C, and then A equals C, that's what the transitive property is. So if, in this case, if God is light and the Word is God, that means the Word is light as well. Does that make sense to everyone? God is light. The Word is light. So, excuse me, let me say that again. I don't mean to confuse you. God is light. The Word is God. God's Word. So that means His Word is light. So what John is saying here in verse 7 is when he's saying walk in the light, he's saying walk in God's word. This word, as it says in Psalms, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As Pastor Chris, our lead pastor, says, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Walking in the light means reading God's word, abiding in it daily, and then doing what it says. You know what happens when we turn off the light? Darkness enters. And it's pretty clear if you look around the world today that there's a lot of darkness. 
We remove the light, the word of God, and darkness enters. But if we walk in the light, we have an opportunity to be a light. So there's that contrast again, good and evil, light and darkness. What destroys a marriage? What destroys singleness? What destroys a family? What destroys a church? What destroys a denomination? Living outside of the light, living outside of God's word. So then what preserves a marriage? What preserves a single life? What preserves a family? What preserves our church? Walking in God's word, reading his word, and then doing what it says. One of my favorite songs is from worship artist Brandon Lake. He has a song called Running to the Light. I'm going to read you the course of that song because the words are true to what we're saying today. In the course of that song, it goes, you're the lamp, you're the light, you're the cloud that guides me. You're the way, you're the truth, you're the life inside me. You conquered my fears, so I'll leave it all behind. I'm running to the light. It's just like that moment when I was a little kid sitting in my room, dark, scared, and alone. And then my dad walks in, flips on that light, and my fears were gone. Why? Because I was in the light, and I was with my father. And we could do that each and every day of our life. Walk in the light with our father. That's the challenge. That's the take home today. And I know that there's some here that feel like they're in the dark. And the dark is not a fun place to be. You can't see. And even if you try to get up and walk, you probably stumble over things. We need to get back to the light. Pick up our Bibles this week. Start to read. And as we do, our life gets a little brighter and a little brighter and a little brighter. It's not our light shining through. It's the light of Jesus shining through us. Remember that song we all used to sing in church growing up? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Do you want to be a healthy church? Do you want to have a healthy life? Do you want to have a healthy marriage, a vibrant, healthy home? Do you want to be a gospel-centered church, a healthy church? Walk in the light. Walk in God's word and live what he says. I don't know about you guys, but after I read verses 5 through 10 of 1 John, I'm not just going to be walking in the light this week. I am going to be running in the light. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as a body of believers and worship you. Thank you for Lori and the worship team and the, and the worship that they have led us in and will lead us in here to close. Thank you for your word. Thank you for 1 John and the way that it describes how you are the light. You are the light our world needs. Help us to get into your word so that we can shine your light to a lost and dying world around us. God, it, it's, it's not complicated, but it's, it's not easy either. The, our busyness of our lives gets in the way, and we often make excuses for why we can't read your word.
But Lord, I ask that we all take time to make it a priority this week. It doesn't have to be chapters. Lord, let it be a verse or two at a time that we can read and then go shine your light in the world around us. I ask that you help each and every person here to not just walk in the light this week, but run to the light, run to you today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.